you're back with us for another episode of Campbell's Footballs. Yes, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by a good crack. This weekend is probably the most exciting weekend in the whole of the Scottish football calendar. Yes, my friends, it is the William Hill Scottish Cup fourth round. I've got one fantastic guest alongside me this week. I'm joined by BBC Sports Scotland commentator Rob McLean to discuss what is all going on here. I'm also interested to chat to Rob about his career in the media and also where he sees things going forward, both in his career, but also for the rest of the Scottish footballing season. This is the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. It's Campbell's Footballs in association with Toby Johnson Music. Well, folks, it's William Hill's Scottish Cup action this week, and I have no better a guest this week than uh, BBC's own Ron McLean on the show. Rob, a warm welcome what? to you. What, oh, a smooth-talking introduction that was, I'll tell you. <laughs> happy, to, happy to be here, Grant. Happy to talk to you. Yeah, it was a real honour for me to have you on the show, Rob. You're a bit of a childhood influence of mine. Growing up, um, I really followed you on sports scene and some of your commentary. Was, it's just fantastic. And it just made me, it drew me into to Scottish football, certainly in my in my early years. I'm not, I'm not sure I like that childhood influence. It makes me <laughs> sound like Methuselah or something like that. But anyway, I'll, ta- I'll take it as a backhanded compliment, don't worry. I didn't mean it in that sense. I meant it in every no, posi- positive sense possible. First question I've got to ask you, Rob, is what made you want to go into sports journalism in the first place? Um, well, I love football. I play. I played football as a kid. I, I was mad about it, watched it, and all the rest of it. Um, but um, my, my journalism initially was news journalism. I, I started off with the Island News Group, uh, coming from Inf Gordon. So I was in Inverness, mainly in Dingwall, with the North, writing for the North Star. Um, sometimes putting the whole paper together and stuff like that as a kid, which was quite exciting and quite frightening at the same time. Um, but I. I I trained in Newcastle, had a real buzz down there when I went back up north. It was like life was in slow motion. So so I up sticks and went to Aberdeen with my pal, um, I, not quite knowing what was going to happen. It was almost a sort of Dick Whittington knapsack on back exercise. Yeah. Did a, did a variety of temporary jobs. Uh, like driving a, a laundrette van around the city and convincing my employer that I actually knew where I was going, which I actually didn't. But it was, you know, just got a few jobs, kept me going. Eventually, I worked with a news agency, a freelance news agency, for a couple of years, writing for newspapers, radio, television, so finding out how to sort of um, basically uh, encapsulate the top story of the day in different styles from the Sun to the Daily Telegraph and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So but that was all news. North Sound Radio kicked off in Aberdeen in 1981, long before you were in existence. Um, but that, that was a really exciting time. I went, in, I went in as a news reporter. The head of news said, uh, who likes football in here? I put my hand up. And he said, right, you're the commentator. So that was 1981, and it, it coincided with a really special time for Aberdeen Football Club. Fergie was the manager, and... Well, two years after I started, they won the European Cup Winners' Cup against Real Madrid and Gothenburg. But even up till then, I mean, the, you know, it had been they were, they were a pretty special team at that stage. I was the commentator. It was crazy because I'd never done it before, yeah. never been trained for it, so I kind of learned on the job. Um, and my my passport was kind of battered and bruised because Aberdeen were here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. I, I found bits of Europe that I didn't know existed. You must have felt on top of the world, though, following Aberdeen through their high points. As you said. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. And I guess at that time, everyone supporting them, playing for them, involved with the club at all, thought that was kind of normal behaviour to be dominating the old firm, expecting to beat Celtic and Rangers all the time, always in cup finals, winning uh, cup competitions, all that success in Europe. 
uh, you look back now and you think, well, probably never again yeah. for, for Aberdeen. I mean, yeah, yes, they continue to be one of Scottish football's big clubs. They don't win much too often. And way back then, they won just about everything yes. at home and abroad as well. So it, it kind of, because I was living through it and working through it, it seemed normal at the time. Looking back, it seems a ridiculous success story. Yeah, I'm, I feel pretty envious of that because, uh, you know, having been born in 91 and, and really only seeing them get to cup finals and obviously win the League Cup in 2014, it's probably the highlight for me. But, you know, opportunities of seeing them in Europe are, you know, sparse. But they obviously, in more recent times under Derek McInnes, they've done fantastically well to, to push close in Europe and had some really amazing nights under the lights of Batadre, especially. Yeah, I guess probably Derek at times wishes he could move a little bit further away from the 80s because a lot of people, unfortunately for him and, and managers who've come in before him, um, so many people remember those heady days yeah. and draw comparisons and it's it's so difficult to compare any current Aberdeen team or recent Aberdeen team with that team of the 80s, yeah. you know, which had McLeish and Miller and Leighton and Strachan and McGee and Eric Black yeah. and John Hewitt and, and Neil Simpson and Neil Cooper. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can rhyme them off. That they were all top drawer. I mean, yeah. can you imagine what an Aberdeen team would be like now with players of that quality? In it? It, would just be, it would just be fantastic. It really would. Let's move on from your time at North Saint. How did the, the BBC come about? Because I'm just intrigued of that journey. Well, um, after North Sound, I worked for BBC as a news reporter in Aberdeen for a couple of years at Beechgrove when, when the BBC was based there. Then I, I responding to a job um, application situation with STV, I, that moved me to Glasgow and that, that was when I moved into specialist sport because I became the sports presenter on the Tea Time Scotland Today, it was called then the STV news mm -hmm. programme. Uh, so I did the sports section, I presented the sport on that for a couple of years and there was big competition between BBC and STV at that time and there, there was a lot of money around to be honest which yeah. was great uh, and they were poaching uh, people back and forth, you know, there was a lot of that sort of stuff, almost transfer window stuff in television going on. Yes. So, so, so after I'd been to the 1990 World Cup in Italy, uh, a year before you were born. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, gosh, I, I mean, remember that. I know, exactly. <laughs> you young thing, you. Um, so at, at that point, the BBC, who I'd worked for before as a news reporter, asked me to come back to do sport. Um, Hazel Irvin and across from, right. from SCB, BBC at the same time. And um, so I, I went back as well. Hazel and I did Friday Sports Scene, which ran for years and years. Uh, you know, it was a really good program to be involved in. Um, I did the results show as well. You know, the TV results show with the 3D printer on a Saturday afternoon. Did Sports Scene quite a lot of the time as well. Doogie Donnelly was the main presenter yeah, at that time. Doogie's and a hero of mine as well. <laughs> Yeah, and basically, I was there. I was at that stage. I was there for like fourteen-year periods mm -hmm. uh, from from nineteen ninety onwards, doing a, a mix of presentation and commentary, and and that's kind of the way it's always been for me. Uh, it's never really been my decision. It's it's always been really a question of what people have wanted me to do at any particular point in time. Yeah, that's kind of decided my career progression, really. Yeah. Um, but it, but it was fantastic. It was it was great. I mean, you know, the BBC are such a a big organization uh, and it, those were those were really exciting times I was wanted to I was quite intrigued to learn obviously that you've had your your stint obviously on the television but you've also been involved in radio is there a preference or do they both excite you in different ways yeah th yeah absolutely right spot on um, there, there's an intimacy about radio I think and an immediacy maybe about radio which is um, re really attractive there's there's more maybe more glamour about television there's more money uh, mm -hmm. about television yeah. as well so, so th those are sort of big factors but what's been great along the way I mean not only have I mixed presentation and commentary but I've also mixed TV and radio now online stuff as well 
um, embracing it all as it comes along. And, and as I say, it's probably more been other people's decisions than mm. my choice at any point yeah. in time. Yeah. But uh, you know, I've, I've loved everything I've done because I, I love going, going to football matches. Yeah. So if I'm there for work, you know, like going to World Cup finals and things like that, well, that that's really special. Did you say obviously there's been a change in time with the the media? Is 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 that a good thing? Do you think this this change, especially with social media becoming a really big thing now, it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think a lot of the technical advances have been great and really improved uh, everyone's ability to watch it, listen to it, uh, live tech services and, and all that sort of stuff. So you can follow football in so many different ways now. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and whether you like it or not, it's always been happening, it's always been coming and the whole broadcasting business moves with the times and, and that's that's what happens and I think when you're working in it you have to move with the times as well and you have Absolutely. to adapt and maybe sometimes reinvent yourself as well You've taken on a, a role at BT Sport as well in recent times and I, I, I've always been interested in some of the people that you've worked alongside notably in recent times Ali McCoy, but obviously some other people as well Anybody stand out for you or are they all, they all for different shades of views and things like that? Yeah, well, I mean, I've worked with Chris Sutton as well. I mean, because I did a couple of two or three years ago, I did uh, Celtic in the Champions League, so I was working with Chris Sutton at that point. The last couple of years, I've been doing the Europa League for them. I'm freelance, so I, I basically I still work for obviously I still work for the BBC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work for BT Sports, so I, uh, you know, basically I'm I'm available. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as as a as a freelance working with Ali McCoy is great, um, but sometimes you have to just wait for him to take a breath to get a word in anyways. Uh, but no, seriously, it's actually it's it's real fun working with them. And at times you have to remind yourself that you are working and that you're not standing together at the bar with a pint in your hand and just having a laugh. You know, it's and but of course the football gets serious. I mean, he's a he's a Man Rangers fan. Uh, so when you're commentating on Rangers games, you know he's getting really involved. And in, you know when you hear his sort of unfettered reaction at times. You know yeah. when Morelos slams the ball into the top corner or whatever. But no, working working with has been really good but I mean I'm, I'm lucky in that I, you know I work with lots of lots of good people on BBC as well uh, you know like said Billy Todds and, and Willie Miller and Neil McCann's come into come into it yes. recently James James McFadden Stephen Thompson Michael Stewart he, the, the list goes on and on um, a lot of good people who all have their strengths in different areas so you know what goes out uh, is different depending yeah. on who you're working alongside and obviously what what the quality of the game is in front of you these are all the sort of unknowns that you you're not really you can't you, you can't predict what a game is going to be like when you go along to it so Absolutely. so you kind of you kind of just roll with it roll with it and roll with the action basically yeah was there any people when you were starting out in your commentary uh, journey that inspired you um one that one that comes to mind is a guy called Brian Moore. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember him, Grant, because probably before he, my he's time probably well before your time. Yeah. You, you probably you'll still hear him, and you'll hear him. He was a commentator. I think he did he, he did some television. Maybe they did a program called Off the Ball, which oh, yeah. nothing like Nightline. Yeah, I well. remember, the one that used, <laughs> used to be on ITV. Um, so you know he did some, but mainly a commentator. And what I loved about him was he he, he sort of reflected the excitement of the game, um, but he wasn't. Um, he didn't. He never tried to be too clever. He kept it really simple, but but simple was really effective. I thought he had a great voice, uh, and I just I associate his voice with watching really exciting football matches at the yeah. old Upton Park or whatever, where West Ham United used to play, and mm-hmm. you know West Ham Liverpool and games like that that, that come flashing back into my head. Um, he kept it simple. He he was very good. I mean, there are lots of good commentators around back then and and right now Absolutely. as well. Yeah. So when when you're going out to do a commentary game of any description, do you have any sort of methods of preparation that you do before games, or do you have a ritual? Well, there is a there is a suggestion mainly within the BBC that I actually don't do any preparation at all, and I turn up about thirty seconds to three o'clock, or or whenever the kickoff time happens to be. Um, but the the reality is that that you have to prepare. If you if you if I don't prepare. Properly, it's not massive, but it, but you know, but it's a it's a significant uh, period of time just getting getting into the zone, basically getting the game and the players into my head so that I know what I'm going into. Um, if I haven't done that, I don't feel comfortable. Mm. If I have done it, done the preparation, I don't really, you know, it's a sheet of paper. It's probably a sheet of A4 is what I have with with 
what I think is important scribbled in front of me. Yeah. That's it. I don't really look down much because sometimes in a game you can't look down much. So really, the purpose of writing it down. I mean, I still I, I, I should have it sort of you know on a database yeah. you know, on my on my uh, laptop or whatever. But the, my the reality is being old school. I scribble it. It's almost scribbled in the back of a fag packet. Yeah. But it's all there. But the important thing is it's in my head and that I've got little factlets that can be useful in the context of the game, maybe. A lot of the stuff I write down, I maybe never use because it's not applicable. Exactly. But, yeah, the preparation is important so that come the game, Grant, I can just sit back, relax, and respond to what's happening in front of me with a bit of hopefully detailed knowledge in the back of my head. Absolutely. That, that's quite interesting to hear that because I've, I've had a few other people on the podcast before, like Guy Mowbray, and I've had Paul Mitchell on before, and, and a few others. And, and it's interesting to hear different methods that they use, and, and yourself obviously offers a different insight. So it's quite interesting to hear from that, about that. Um, I have to I ask know you're you, a fan of stats, of course. I, 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 I like my statistics, but sometimes you can overuse them sometimes. And I, I know from my personal point of view, I, I think you overuse this. I have to be slightly careful when I do that. So, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's no, I'm, I'm exactly like you. I mean, I think there are some people, some commentators, you know, who are dependent on stats, and, yes. and it sounds that way. And it's almost, you know, they're just linking from one stat to another. And you know, I, th- I think good stats, valid stats, are brilliant. I, you know, you know, I'm a real fan of that. I think overdoing it. Kill, kills it because I think you lose a lot of the spontaneity. No, I fully agree. I fully agree. Um, is there sort of one commentary game that you vividly remember and say, "I'm glad I was at that match"? Oh, there've been a few of those. Grant. I mean, but, I mean, we were speaking about Aberdeen days, so obviously Gothenburg, May 1983, uh, comes back um, eight years before you were born. <laughs> I know you're a bit tell me there. Um, so I mean, you know, I mean, you know, and what I have to stress at this point, of course, is that I was a child prodigy. At that stage, I was only twelve, I think, when I was commentating in Gothenburg. Yeah, no, I'm lying about that. <laughs> no, I was, I, I was really young and I, and I was really privileged. So there I was, yeah, commentating when Aberdeen beat Real Madrid, and, and okay, they weren't Real Madrid now. They weren't, you know, th- that level yes. of team that, that Madrid are now. But they were still one of the most famous teams in Europe. So beating them was crazy. Uh, uh, a rainy night in Gothenburg, I remember it well. I remember the bottles of champagne afterwards and the, the struggle I had to get them paid by North Sound on expenses. Um, <laughs> but no, that, that was really special. But I mean, I, I commentated on the opening game of the World Cup in 1990, uh, Scotland against Brazil and, and France and Paris. You know, when it was 1 1 at one stage, you looked up yeah. on the scoreboard and you, and you hoped you yeah. could just freeze it right there. Um, th- that, w- that was that was special um, yeah I mean I, I was I was commentating for STV when uh, Lee Griffiths scored his two goals for Scotland against England two super we goals away from beating the old enemy yeah. at Hamden I mean that was that was just so special and, and then it was so painful when Harry Kane Mm-hmm. Uh, scored soon yeah. afterwards. So, so I mean, those are those are just maybe three. I, I was I was I was at Wembley in '99 when Don Hutchison scored the only goal and Scotland did beat yeah. England. Uh, and I was on the radio at the time, and, and I think I repeated the score about three or four times just because yeah. I liked hearing it so much. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, I'm lucky in that I've been at, at lots of games. I've probably. I've probably missed an obvious one out, but yeah. but those are ones that certainly come quickly to mind. The one obvious one that I can recollect from obviously Aberdeen connections is the the League Cup semi final when Lewis Ferguson heading in the the corner kick from Niall McGinn. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, I, was, that, was it two years ago now? I can't remember how it feels like yesterday. It's a, f- yeah. a fabulous header. Um, but yeah. it, it was a game where Rangers totally dominated, and yeah, Aberdeen they yeah. stayed in the game, they stayed in the game, and it was a great header from a, a really good delivery from Niall McGinn. But unfortunately. They Going to win the final, which was a tad disappointing, but I remember yeah. the game so well because I was I was so nervous watching it. But your commentary yeah. really, when the header went in, and, and it just it felt like it was in the moment. It was fantastic, it really was. Yeah, and I think that's what it's all about. I think it is capturing the moment and capturing the atmosphere. I think that's what commentary is all about, you know. And, and when it's when it's radio, you're telling the whole story, and when it's TV, you're basically, hopefully, enhancing what people are already seeing. I mean, you know, there's nothing worse than a television commentator who describes the cross coming in from the right hand side and the header at the far post and all these things, which actually don't need to be said because they're they're blatantly blatantly obvious mm-hmm. um, but I mean you're speaking about special games as well um, game I mean I, when people ask me who I support I say Ross County and Aberdeen because Ross County are the team I watched growing up 
yeah. in Ireland League. I played yeah. for the school in the morning and watched them in the afternoon. And I was 10 years in Aberdeen at a special time in that club's history. So obviously I have a soft spot for the Dons um, as as well. But so you're to- if you see when we're talking about special games, I was when when Ross County beat Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi final. Yes. I uh, I'd, I'd been working at Sedanta for five years, but I, mm. but I was back. I'd just not long started back at the BBC, and so I was presenting that game, the semi-final, and trying desperately to be impartial mm-hmm. afterwards. <laughs> and I, I interviewed Neil Lennon, who I don't know if you remember that interview at all, but he absolutely savaged his players. He was a very happy. I remember that quite well. So, so, so I, was, I mean, it was a great interview, and, and I was trying hard to keep a smile off my face not because yeah, nothing yes, eaten, yes, yeah. but, but, or anything against Neil Lennon because I, really, I really like him yeah. but um, it was because I mean that was that was one of the most ridiculous results ever for Ross County to beat Celtic yeah. at Hamden and although the final was a, a letdown for Ross County mm-hmm. and Dundee United won it very easily that, that was the cup final and I remember being at Hamden on on the day of the final and, and just seeing all those Ross County fans yeah. there loving the whole occasion I mean that, that that was a complete football fairy tale yeah that was in 2010 wasn't it I was trying to remember what year that yeah, was. It yeah, was yeah yeah I do remember the game because I've got a few friends back back here who are Dundee United fans and they still remind me of that uh, final because I have a soft spot for Ross County as well I've got a few friends who follow this podcast who are big county fans and in fact I've been up to the Highlands a couple of times to watch Ross County and they're, they're a really good well run club and I like to see them and Cali Thistle do well because I like to see well. I like to see the North Coast. Yeah, well. no, I'm the, I'm the same. I mean, I'm yeah. I've got a lot of time for Inverness Cali Thistle. Basically, as you say, just. I'm just a fan of Highland football and what's what they've done. I mean, the fact those two clubs have won major trophies is 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 just crazy. Absolutely. I mean, Ross County getting to the Scottish Cup final, winning the League Cup, and what Inverness Cali Thistle have done, going back to Super Cali Go Ballistic yes. and that result at Celtic Fantastic. Park, yes. uh, and all, all the success they've had since. I mean, it, it's just. I mean, I think it's great for the country to be honest for the geographical spread. Absolutely. And all that, that there's been success in the north, and you get all these managers and players whinging about going up the A9. But you know, it's, I think Scottish football is better for these teams, and hopefully Inverness, Cali Thistle might get back. I mean, they've got a chance this season mm-hmm. um, to get to get back up, maybe through the playoffs. And and I think you know, Ross County would you would think have got a decent chance of staying there. So it would be amazing to have them Absolutely. back in the league again. Yeah, and the Highland Derbies are always a good advert for the Scottish Premiership as well. Um, I've sort of one last question to ask you, Rob, and that is, um, what, where do you sort of see yourself going in the next five years in your, or, or so in your kind of life and commentary, really? I just want to see where you see yourself going. Yeah, see, I, I wish, I wish I knew that any, <laughs> any at the start of any year, to be honest, you know, because it's so it's so difficult to predict. I would never have been able to predict right at the start where my career was going to go, and and I think I said to you earlier on that my the my, the directions of my career have kind of been dictated by other people. People have just offered me job, a job or, and I've said yeah that sounds great I'll go I'll do it uh, and I've been very fortunate and, and it's a lot of it's not been down to me and it probably continues to be that way but you know I'm still you know presenting live football on the BBC uh, I'm still commentating maybe a couple of games at the weekend the BT Sport European stuff yeah. is, is great um, I, I do I film some Scottish features for Football Focus and you know so, so I've got a real Sort of broad range of, of yeah. work that I do, yeah. and hopefully I can continue that in the in the next few years because I, you know, I'm as enthusiastic about it now as I've ever been. I still get a great kick out of going to football matches. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a bad not a bad way to earn a living. As I always say, if you don't love what you do, then change something. And and it sounds like you're just enjoying it and riding the keep riding this massive crest of the wave. Really, it's, it seems fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, this weekend is the William Hill Scottish Cup fourth round. This is where the big hitters uh, come into the competition. Have you got any Scottish Cup memories yourself, Rob? Well. Yeah, I mean loads. I mean, obviously, I've mentioned one already. The the semi final, the, the Ross Ross County beating Celtic. There was obviously Hibs. I was presenting the game on the BBC uh, a few years back when Hibs won it after yeah. that hundred year plus wait. I mean that that was that was so special. That's a great final as well. Headed in, headed in that winning goal. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of difficult. I would have to probably look at a list of them and think, oh yeah, that one, that one, that one, and that goal, yeah. and that player, and that performance, and that crowd, and the atmosphere, and everything. Yeah. Um, Hamden sometimes struggles to make an atmosphere. Fear, but 
you know, at the right sort of cup final with the, the with the right sort of teams and with big support, definitely, and they fill the place. That then then it, then you get something like it should be. I mean, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of Hamden, and I thought they should have um, when they redeveloped it. They, they they should have done it differently. Mm. But anyway, it is what it is, and and it can be a special place, that's for sure. And and you know, in football, you kind of you kind of want to be there. So uh, yeah, I've been involved in so many uh, Scottish Cup finals, and this season, I mean, what's been a big kick this season going away. From the final and right back to the start is that for the first time BBC have done it from the early rounds. So I've so I've been presenting games in Kelty and Bonnie Reg and Linlithgow in what? the first three rounds. But well, that was so, my neck. Yeah, that, that, that's that's been great. You know, you know, small grounds packed out. Uh, great, you know, great atmosphere, something special. I'm going to continue talking to you because I'm just going to open, open my front door here. So this is this could be a, this could be a first. This, this is a first. This is a first on my podcast. So let let let's yeah. just do this. This is fantastic. Yeah. I'm just going to let Hamish, my boy, in the front door, uh, and I'm going to continue talking. And uh, we're going to continue talking about the, the Scottish Cup, which is fantastic. Uh, and one of, the, one of the questions I was wanting to ask you is: that you you've been to you said you went to Kelty and you'd been to to Bonnie to Bonnie Rig in the past and Linlithgow as well. Out of these grounds, you get a real sense of a fa- sort of family atmosphere, don't you? And I'm thinking of when Falkirk were playing Linlithgow was it earlier in the season. That was that I watched that game and it was a really yeah. good atmosphere, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. I mean, and I think I think all, all three games that, that we've done in the early rounds, I think they all got crowds of about seventeen hundred. That was pretty much capacity for yeah. our grounds. So, so they got a great turnout. It was a great atmosphere. There's some good stories involved as well. Obviously, Barry Ferguson managing Kelty, yeah. um, but they got thumped by Auchinleck Talbot, you know, which yeah. was a bit of a surprise. This gets great to go to these new places, new grounds. Give it the the whole BBC glossy treatment and everything. Yeah. And everyone there, everyone's really excited when yeah. you know B, the BBC sort of. Wrote show comes to town absolutely and, but, now, but now as you say the competition from this weekend gets a bit different and we've got I mean for me this is a great weekend because Friday night I'm commentating on Rangers against Stranraer uh, for the BBC highlight show uh, Saturday night uh, well Saturday night and Sunday we're, we're doing the both ties live in Dundee one on each side of the street yeah, <laughs> yeah. you couldn't make it up it's, yeah. it's incredible and they're both you know with Dundee playing Motherwell there could be a, a shock there potentially if a championship team beats, yeah. beats uh, Motherwell and then of course a shock, major shock potential I'd have thought on Sunday yeah. when Dundee United yeah, play Hibs yeah some really, some really tasty games and you mentioned the two Dundee clubs I'm going to go through all the the, the, the fourth round games but they're, they're, they really kind of jump out off the page uh, I, there was another couple of games that really interest me like Ross County going away to Air United it could be a potential banana skin oh come on Grant what are you talking about <laughs> Yeah, you, no, you're, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, Somerset Park. I mean, I've, I've been a few great Scottish Cup ties there. I mean, air like air Kilmarnock derbies yes. over the years, which are, which are fantastic. And I think, I mean, you, you would, you're, you're absolutely right. When you look at the ties, that 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 one does jump off the page because you think, well, Ross County could well struggle there because I, maybe quali- there's maybe not a lot of difference mm. to be honest. If 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 both hit form on the day. Yeah, it'll be an interesting game, that's for sure. I mean, I think possibly Airdrie going to Hearts is an, an interesting one. Obviously, Colin Cameron up against his uh, his old team as well, which could be quite exciting. But, yeah. Is he, is he in Murray at Airdrie as well? Am I right in I think he is as well, yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 Certainly should be so interesting. I mean, I think I think at the moment, I mean, anything could be a problem for Hearts. I mean, the, 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 they've been so bad that, that actually what they don't need in the Scottish Cup Almost a bigger game would have been better for them. Yes. Because an Airdrie, there's, a, there's an if they beat Airdrie two 0 or whatever, yeah, nobody's going to get over excited about it. Yeah. But but yeah, with Colin Cameron in charge going back to Tynecastle, that that might have shock written all over it. And that's that's all Daniel Stendel needs at the moment. Well, I was going to ask you, what do you, how do you think Daniel Stendel's going to get him? Because he's kind of um, kind of got his hands tied behind his back a little bit. He's got a lot of work to do, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's not a happy place at the moment, which is a real shame because you know the saving of hearts and the foundation of hearts and all that stuff, and Anne Budge and what she's done has been such a good story. But it all has got turned sour a wee bit on the pitch, and uh, you get the feeling that there are big changes needing made, and it, it might not be a quick fix that's going to sort that out. Obviously, yeah. Christoph Perez on his way out of the place, and the whole identity is changing. Uh, there was a 
they, they stayed on the trail of Daniel Stendhal for quite a few weeks to get him in and all the time people were thinking well why don't you just go to Motherwell and get Stephen Robinson I know the Motherwell fans wouldn't think yeah, I, I was surprised they, that. I was surprised they didn't go for Robinson personally I, I thought that was going to be almost like a slam dunk for Hearts no disrespect yeah. to Motherwell fans I've, I've got a few Motherwell fans that follow this podcast and you know, I, I really like Motherwell I think they're a well run club I think they, they're going certainly in the right direction but I just thought that might have been a big chance for, for Hearts to really go for someone who's going certainly going places with Motherwell but, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, like, I like the way Daniel Stendhal dances around the technical area. He, 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 goes, he must do about sort of, 10 miles in the, in, the, in the course of a game, the, all the movement and jumping up and down he does. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't know enough about him really to, to denounce him. I wouldn't want to no, denounce do him. I, to be and I, I, wish, I wish him good luck and I hope it goes well for Hearts. For the sake of Hearts, I hope it goes well. But, you know, he got off to, he's got off to a nightmare start. Yeah. And, I, and I, I just don't know how much time he will get mm. unless he very quickly starts to make progress yeah it'll certainly be interesting so obviously Rob you're at uh, Ibrox on Friday for Rangers against Renrar um, what is it like for the for the lower ranked club going to a, a big game like Celtic or Rangers away from home it, it's, it's fantastic for Stranraer isn't it it is, yeah. I mean, it's 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 really exciting. You know, be a big crowd, obviously, and you know, so from a financial point of view, it, it's brilliant. It, it makes their season. It maybe makes their it makes their next couple of seasons in terms of what what they'll what they'll make financially out of it. It's but it's also really frightening because I mean, I was just I was just actually looking at the. I hadn't realised that they were actually bottom of League One. Mm. So, um, and Rangers are basically one win in their game in hand away from being top of the Premiership. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the scale, the scale of the challenge couldn't be bigger for for Stranraer, to be honest. And Rangers will really be looking to make a statement, I guess, in their first game of 2020. Where do you see Rangers' focus mainly lying this year? Is it to stop Celtic winning another title, or is it to really go and win a cup? I think the I think the title is the title number one definitely, and that match on the 29th of December was so important to them. Mm-hmm. I think you saw that in Stephen Gerrard's reaction, yeah. Because the other side of the coin was they lost and they went eight points behind, and I don't think there was any coming no, back from I eight agree. points behind, to be honest. And and it, so it would have affected the whole season, probably including the Scottish Cup as well, mm-hmm. because then you know that that might just psychologically have given them a kick in a really painful place. Whereas now it's back to a couple of points. They've got the game in hand. They can now see a path to actually winning the title. They've won at Celtic Park as well. They've, they've, they've sort of clambered over so many barriers in winning that game um, that it now becomes even more intriguing than it was. I mean, Celtic have got this winning habit. They, yeah. they know how to win trophies. They've, they've done 10 on the trot, as you know, being yeah. Mr. Stato. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that, that result and that performance for Rangers, also the performance in the League Cup, yes. you know, that, that was another factor yeah. as well. I mean, it was so important that, that they didn't lose again to Celtic, yeah, having dominated yeah. the League Cup final, but lost it. Yeah. So, so I think you can add in quite a few big boosts that, that Rangers have taken from that. And so the second half of the season is going to be amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. How critical for you is it that Rangers keep hold of Alfredo Morelos? We've talked about him already on this podcast, but he is so vital for Rangers, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's vital uh, domestically and in Europe as well. I mean, the six six goals in the six group games yes. um, is just an amazing performance. And um, I mean, who, Rangers won't care a jot if he doesn't score against Celtic mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, as long as they can win the title absolutely. absolutely because he makes a big impact anyway he does he, he occupies centre backs he, he, you know other people can score the goals it, you know it really doesn't doesn't matter his performances are really good and probably once he scores one against Celtic he'll never stop scoring against yes. them you know he, he's that he's that type of player he's special he's going nowhere I mean Steven Gerrard has, has put his head on the block in terms of that one yeah um, he, he, he will stay there and if he can stay fit he he's a he could be a big part in, in Rangers winning the title. Although you know you do look at you look at Celtic and and they've got strength all over the place as well. And they've got um, 
Alton Edouard up front, and and it's an interesting, it's always an interesting comparison between those two because yeah. they're both special players in their own individual ways. I also think they're both slightly different players as well because Edouard oh, for yeah. me is an out and out goal scorer, but Morelos just has so much other work that makes him more rounded as a player. But they're both very good players in in different regards. Anyway, Rob, give us a score prediction for the the first game. We've talked about it. Rangers against Renard. I'm going for a pretty comfortable four nil win for Rangers in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go for... I hate to agree with you, so I'm going to go for 5-0. Okay, 5-0. Now, next up, and I'm going to this game on Saturday, Aberdeen at home to Dumbarton. Um, Now, obviously, 12 months ago, um, Aberdeen had a sticky game and obviously didn't beat Stenhouse Muir, of course, at this stage and had to win at the replay, of course. So, might not be easy for Aberdeen. uh, these these games can be really awkward because if you don't score in the first 20 minutes the fans become disenchanted and you know what the Todry's like when when things aren't going according to plan Um, so yeah I mean I I think that I think it could be sticky but but I do expect Aberdeen to get through I mean Sam Cosgrove we spoke about Morelos and Edouard I mean Sam Cosgrove has been an incredible player for Aberdeen and you do do wonder how things have gone without him because he's dominated their their goal scoring so much but um, I mean as long as he's he's fit for Aberdeen for the second half of the season and they don't accept a bid for him which I don't think they will Um, I mean he's going to get some goals total for one thing and, 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 and if he stays there you know, he gives them a chance of overhauling Motherwell for third place because that's going to be an ongoing sort of battle as well. But in terms of that, that cup tie, Aberdeen, Dumbarton, I'm going to go for 3-1 Aberdeen. 3-1. I'm also going for a two-goal match. I'm going to go 2-0. Um, you talked about Sam Cosgrove. For me, Joe Lewis has been equally as important for Aberdeen at the other end of the pitch. You know, I think, yeah. you know, I always talk about goalkeepers and I think for me, Joe Lewis guarantees Aberdeen six to nine points a season with the amount of saves he makes. I think he's important. I think Dumbarton will come into this game with absolutely nothing to fear so it could be a very difficult game for Aberdeen but I, I do think they'll get over the line with two goals and um, I'm just going to see how Dylan McGeer will get on as well of course and see how he fits yeah. in I think he'll be very no, he's a, he's a, yeah he's a great signing I mean he was terrific with Hibs before he went down south it hasn't really happened for him uh, down with Sunderland but uh, no I, I think that's a really smart signing I think a lot of clubs would have been watching him and, and wondering whether they'd get, get him back so for Aberdeen to get hold of, of McGeer if he can recapture that form that he showed in the Hibs midfield uh, he could be a really important addition for the Dons. And obviously there's rumours that Matty Kennedy from St Johnston possibly being linked as well. That would be pretty interesting as well. I've really liked him in a St Johnston shirt. Yeah, I, I like him and I, and I think that you surround him with better players, which with the greatest of respect to St Johnston uh, would be the case if he was at Aberdeen. I mean, can you imagine him delivering for Cosgrove? Yeah, you know, know. And Niall McGinn as a, as a factor there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that could be a great combination. I, I, th- I, think, I, I don't think we've seen the best of Matty Kennedy, so we're Aberdeen to be able to get him as well with McGeoch prompting from midfield I think that could be a much improved Aberdeen in the second half of the season Absolutely well I'm hoping so anyway Now next up is an old championship affair between Aloua and Inverness This is an interesting game Yeah it sure is I mean Aloua um, are just kind of consistently punching above their weight aren't Mm -hmm. they I mean they did well with Jim Goodwin in charge Peter Grant's doing a great job there now as well that's a really difficult one to predict I think I mean that I would not be at all surprised if that one goes to a replay back in Inverness because Cali Thistle are doing really well under John Robertson Um, but will their minds be focused on the promotion playoffs rather than a Scottish Cup run might one affect the other because it's a small squad I think that all these things come to mind and and that that's an awkward one and I'm going for 1-1 one, one and a replay and you're going 1-1 one, one. I've actually written 1-1 one, one down here but I'm going to change my mind I'm going to go for the upset and go for a home win for Alloa 2-1 uh, yeah. just simply because you, went one, one. Your thinking. you had a wee bit there I'd written 1-1 one, one down sneakily in this corner here before you had uh, said that so I'll, I'll put 2-1 now next up is Arbroath against uh, Falkirk who've uh, really had a bit of a resurgence of late since uh, David McCracken and uh, Lee Miller have come on board yeah, and that, that this is another really difficult one to predict because they have had a resurgence. They are doing much better than they were. But I mean, our both have been terrific I in know. the championship. I, I love Dick Campbell to bits. Yeah, nobody, so do I. Nobody, nobody, nobody quite swears as well as, as Dick Campbell. He's all, he's always been one of my favourites and that regard. So, no, he's a lovely man, and he and he just seems to be uh, getting bit, maturing like a fine wine. I think absolutely, the absolutely. Um, although I'd imagine pints are more. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ruth Falkirk, uh, I think that's really 
going to be a close run thing. I'm going to go uh, 2-1 Falkirk. 2-1 Falkirk. I'm going to not change my mind this one because I've got 2-1 as well. So I'm going to go Falkirk away one. Um, Just because of momentum at the moment. Now, we spoke about this earlier on. Air United against Ross County. Now, I'm going to stamp my head on the block on this one. I think Air are going to nick this 1-0. Okay, this is going to be uh, another replay for me. So this is going to be a trip for Air United up to Dingwall. Um, I'm going to go for 2-2 at Somerset Park. Great cup time. I'm hoping it's a good game. I'm hoping it's a good game. Now, next up, a wee bit of a romance of the cup in this one. Bonnie Rigg at home to Clyde. Yeah, well, of course, BBC, I was there um, for, uh, for Bonnie Rigg's game uh, in one of the previous rounds uh, great atmosphere nice club really nice people Clyde ooh. you tell me what you're going for and then I'll have a wee think about it I think this is a tough one um, but I'm going to sneak with Clyde just I'm going to go 2-1 ok I'm going 2-1 Bonnie Rick Rose because mm. I made a, a few new friends there and I want to back them up Yeah, I think they played Bucky didn't they with that game you were thinking about that's, that? right. That, yeah. that's, that's right because it was uh, Lowland League again I think they were was it? I think they were leaders of the Lowland yes. League at the time, and Bucky were leaders of the Highland yeah. League. Yeah, yeah. It it's funny you mentioned Bucky because I was actually at watching Bucky at the start of uh, the the calendar year. Actually, twenty twenty, I went to see them playing for Martin, quite close to here. It was a Highland League game, and uh, it wasn't a particularly great game. It was one one heading into ninety minutes, and Connor Gethins um, chipped the goalkeeper from at twenty five yards to win the game for the home team. And it was <laughs> it was a great game, but it'll be remembered for an absolutely fantastic goal if you if you're ever on YouTube and you see it. Uh, yeah, 2-1 uh, it, it wasn't a great game but we remembered for a fantastic chip from uh, Connor Gethins now interesting one next an all Lowland league affair East Kilbride against BSC Glasgow give me some stats Mr. Stato going in well, Gla- well Glasgow your, I, 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 looked at ta- I looked at the table going into this match and BSC Glasgow are just above East Kilbride which slightly surprised me in a way Mm-hmm. Which uh, yeah. which doesn't really give me much to go on. I've got to say. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm I would have to hold my hand up here and say I'm pretty clueless about this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for East Kilbride just because they're at home. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm, so I'm going to go. So I'm going to go for two one. Two one East Kilbride. I, I'm going to go for a replay. I'm going to go one one. But I'll tell you what. I do like East Kilbride. Um, mainly because, of course, a few years ago they played Celtic and they had to. They played the game at the Excelsior, didn't they, in Airdrie? That's right. That, yeah, we did that game last right. actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that was that was a, just a, a fantastic occasion yeah. for yeah. them. You know, it's just great. It's great to see excitement. Absolutely. Uh, among a set of fans who, you know, maybe don't have that much to get excited about, but they did that day. Absolutely. Is there a potential banana skin here? Hamilton against Edinburgh City, who are going really well in League Two. Yeah, I think there is. Um, I mean, I think it's it's when a team's in the winning habit and going through a good run. Edinburgh City are a strong team, uh, and and although there there is that gap in terms of the leagues they play in, uh, and Hamilton did beat Motherwell at Fir Park last mm-hmm. time out mm-hmm. in the last game of last year, yeah. the Lanarkshire Derby, of course. So so, and, and I like Brian Rice a lot. And so I, do I. I think I think he's doing a really good job there, um, and and I think they've probably got enough about them. Um, on their on their own patch, I think I think it will be sticky. But I'm going to go for Hamilton to win that one three one three one. I'm I'm going to go with two nil again on this one. I think I think Hamilton will have enough. What I do like about Hamilton is that every season they keep proving people wrong in terms of ev- at the start of the season everybody thinks oh they'll go down myself included, but they just find a way of digging themselves in and getting themselves out of trouble. Yeah, they they really are. I mean, they're they're a great club, um, and you know they, they they produce young players, they play young players. They've had so much through the system there that you know there, there's so much to be applauded. And and Brian Rice, a lovely guy yeah. as manager, and yeah, I'm I'm with you on a, a two goal margin in that one. Yeah. Okay. Next up is uh, Hearts against Airdrie, and we've spoken at length about this one already. I think Hearts will sneakily get a win here, two one. Yeah, I think Hearts will win it as well. I think it might be slightly more comfortable than that. If they get the start, get a goal, mm. um, they're desperate for something to go right. They need and, momentum. Uh, yeah, they do, and they need a good start to 2020. I'm going 3-1 Hearts. 3-1 Hearts. Now, next up is Kilmarnock, who are also struggling at the moment, uh, at home to Queen's Park. And well, Last I looked, they hadn't scored in six of their last seven games, and... Have, well, haven't won in, the, in that seven, so they really are struggling at the moment, Kelly. Yeah, Alex Dyer's in charge, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
temper at well, till the end of the yeah. season. Um, seems like a really nice guy. I hope he succeeds. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I guess they hope that he is cut from the same cloth as Stevie Clark yeah. and he can eventually get things moving that way. But it's been a sticky season for them so mm. far, which is surprising because essentially it's the same team. But they have lost key players as well. The, obviously, Broadfoot went. Stuart Finlay's been injured. Yes. So the, the kind of backbone, their defensive yeah. backbone has changed a bit. And I think that's mm. that's been difficult for them. But they still have Dicker, Dicker and Power and, and Burke and, and Brophy, who's not quite recaptured what he did last season. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think this could be... I, th- I think this will be sticky. Um, I'm not sure Queen's Park have quite got enough no, to get a replay out of it. No. I, don't, I don't think so, but I'm, I think maybe it, it sounds like a 1 0 to me for Kilmarnock. 1 0. I'm, I'm going to go for Kilmarnock. Actually, scored a few goals in this one. I'm going to go 3 1. Um, I think Queen's Park will maybe start quite well, possibly nick an early goal, but I think Kilmarnock, just with the quality, I think will have enough. But I completely agree with you. It's been, a, it's been a tricky season, but they've still got a chance of being in the top six. I mean, they're only two points behind Livingston at the moment, so, you know, who knows? Let's see. I, I want Alex there to do well. Obviously, as you say, been working with Steve Clark, and you know, I, I think he's a, I think he's a great guy, and and they, they've been good. Well, when he was with Steve Clark, they were doing really well. So I really yeah. want to succeed there. Now, next up is Livingston at home to Wraith Rovers. Is this a bit of an opportunity for Livingston, the Scottish Cup, because you know they're they're doing quite yeah. well in the league. Is there a wee chance of a, a deep run in this? I think there is. Uh, Grant, I think you're right. Um... And, and especially if they get home draws, you know, mm-hmm. because people have a thing about their. I mean, too much is spoken about their pitch. I'm, I'm bored to tears about it. Yeah. But the very fact that people do speak about it, I think, sometimes puts doubts in their minds before they actually go there. Absolutely. And it, it can be a, it can be a negative rather than Mental just getting on, with, yeah. getting on with the job. But I mean, they're. I mean, Livingston are amazing. I mean, I, I first sort of took a real strong liking to them when they got promoted and yeah. in the in the play. I did those. The playoffs for for BT at the time, I think it was. Yeah. When they beat they beat Dundee United and 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 they and they got themselves. And they beat Party Thistle, didn't they? I think didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and two successive promotions, and they look now pretty solid in the in the Premiership. To be yeah. honest, I like I like Gary Holt. Gary Holt's fantastic. Uh, I love him too. Um, and and they've kind of reinvented too because they lost two thirds of their back three who were so good last season. So so I think they've done really well in that regard. Um, they sign well. Lyndon Dykes is really good up front for them. Um, and I think uh, I think they're they're playing on their own pitch is mm. a you know an, an advantage. I think they use it yeah. very well. So uh, I think although Wraith Rovers are a definite threat. Mm-hmm. Um, at Almondvale or the Tony Macaroni depending yeah, yeah. what you prefer or the spaghetti um, hat as some of my friends call it I like, yeah I like the spaghetti hat that's good um, I'm going to go for um, actually I think I'm wondering I'm wondering if this is there's going to be a few replays mm. and um, you've only won draw so far mind you so do I so <laughs> I'm going uh, Livingston 2-2 with Wraith Rovers. Ooh, interesting. I think Livingston will win this one. Um, I, I think Wraith have got a good chance of actually going up in League 1, and I wonder if they should maybe focus on promotion back up to the Championship yeah. in the same sort of way that Falkirk maybe will be thinking that as well. I think Livingston will have enough at home. And you mentioned Dykes. Right. You mentioned Dykes. Right. You mentioned Dykes. Yeah. He's been fantastic this season. I just wonder yeah. if he could be the difference. I'm going 2-0 Livingston here. Yeah, I, I think I talked my way into a draw there, but anyway. Yeah, well, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Remember, I remember I talked myself out of a draw with Aloe earlier on, so maybe maybe that could be one one in that regard, literally and metaphorically speaking. Next up is St Johnston Morton, which is an intriguing one because St Johnston have sort of turned things around after a pretty sketchy start to the season. Yeah, it's been a sticky season for them, and it's just... I mean, I heard Tommy Wright speaking the other day about just survival, you know, and it's strange to hear St Johnston just talking mm. about survival being the yeah. the aim of the season, because usually it's top six and sometimes Europe as well, yeah. so they, they've done so well. But, I mean, they're, they're, it seems they're about to, you, to lose Matty Kennedy. Um, Michael Halloran hasn't really set the header on yeah, He's been struggling them. a little bit this season. Yeah, they, they don't really have anyone that's that's scoring goals prolifically mm-hmm. for them, um, which makes this a difficult game. I saw Morton recently; uh, they lost out to Park Sissel uh, just a few weeks ago. I did that game on the radio. Um, they've got some good players, Morton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like David Hopkin, obviously, yeah. the job he did at, at Livingston. Uh, so I think um, I think if I if I predict enough draws, I may get one or one right mm-hmm. here. So I'm I'm going for I'm going for a replay at Capello in this game. I reckon it's going to be. 
St. Johnson 1, Morton 1. 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go for a, a, a shock result here. I'm going to go for a Morton away win. They've, they've been flying a wee bit lately. They've won the last couple of games. They're out, out off, the, off the relegation bottom spot, replaced Park Thistle. They've got a wee bit of momentum, and I think this might be a wee banana skin for St. Johnson. I wouldn't be surprised if Morton, as you say, at worst get a replay, but I think they might go the full hog and, and get a win here. So I'm going to go 1-0 no Morton. Which is a bold one for me that I've got to say. Now I'm looking forward to reviewing these with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, so am I. <laughs> now we spoke about the romance of the, the cup already. Broxburn Athletic away to St. Mirren. I mean, what a game yeah, for them. Oh, that's a belter. Yeah, that's I think I think belter. they're the lowest ranked side in the competition. Is that correct? Uh, they must. They must, must be. be. Well, hey, you, oh, I think you're they must be. I think they must be. Yeah, they must be. Uh, so you know, it's fantastic for them. Um, to, to, to be playing a premiership team yeah. I, th- I think Jim Goodwin will be well armed about what's coming and yeah. he'll know that it's probably not going to be a pretty game um, and, and it, you know the usual cliche is all about getting through and all yeah. that sort of stuff so I, I think St Mirren I think I think they'll have enough they'll probably win comfortably I'm going to go for 3-0 for the buddies in that one yeah I'm going to I'm going to go for 4-0 I, th- I think they just might do a bit more damage in the second half I think Broxburn will put up a good fight in the first half but I think as the game wars on I think the quality will show I believe Broxburn are taking at least 1,600 fans to that game, which is fantastic. Oh, that's great. Which is, yeah, that is brilliant. That's going to be a great day out, isn't it? Absolutely. Win, lose, or draw for them. Fantastic. Now, they, one of the slightly later games on uh, on Saturday night is uh, Partick against Celtic. And surely Celtic are firm favourites for this one, Rob. Yeah. I mean, I just can't see, I can't see them slipping up. Um, Thistle continue to struggle. I mean, Ian McCall has definitely improved things there, and mm-hmm. I think in the long term, you know, he will have them okay. Um, but this is really, I mean, a home game, great, but but not what they were wanting no. really in terms of of Celtic. Yeah. Um, Celtic who've had a break, a rest, coming back refreshed. Um, I, I struggle to see anything other than a a, a, a big win for for Celtic in this one. I'm I. I think Thistle might get a goal, um, so I'm going to go for Thistle 1, Celtic 4. So 1-4, I'm going to go 3-0 Celtic, I just think they'll have too much to say. Interested to know your thoughts about Patrick Klamala signing um, for Celtic. What do you make of that one? It's a bit of an interesting one, I think. Yeah, it is. I mean, they they definitely need uh, another striker. I mean, Lee Griffiths um, is still recovering um, from, be it mentally or physically, he's still on the way back. the bio, the, the other mm-hmm. striker, he seems to have his injury issues as well. He hasn't always been, been in and out. And yeah, so so effectively, I mean, it's really thin, thin on the ground. I mean, if if Edouard was had a long term injury, the, the, the they'd have massive massive problems absolutely so and, and this guy's a different type of player as well it seems um, and I mean Celtic's recruitment generally has been really good I would say I mean obviously they've made some mistakes but but you know they've, they've, they've made some really good signings and, yeah. and made a lot of profit on players yeah. as well so you, you do kind of have faith in their recruitment so it's going to be interesting you know, but they've paid three and a half million for him, so yeah. they must be pretty satisfied that, that he's going to do the business. Well, we'll certainly see that, uh, how he gets on in due course, that's for sure. Now, the next up is uh, I've left these two deliberately till last. The, the the two Dundee games. We'll start with Dundee against Motherwell. Um, you said there might be a banana skin here, possible upset. Yeah, I mean Dundee at home at Dens. You know, good crowd, big crowd. The, the chance of some success because the Dundee fans will be thinking now we're so far behind. Dundee. I think the twenty-three points behind Dundee United. Yeah, uh, I could be throwing a stat at you that you they, don't. They know are. Tw- they are twenty. They are twenty-three points. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. With the game so, in hand, obviously. But yeah, twenty-three points. <laughs> yeah, hand. yeah. I knew you'd throw the game in hand. Yeah. Just to try and prove me wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so, so you know, it's the playoffs or nothing for Dundee yeah. this season. Uh, you know, that's the only way they're getting Absolutely. up and promoting, and they've got to be wanting promotion. Um, so, you know, but but the Scottish Cup, this could be a big, this could be a kickstarter for them, mm-hmm. where they were they to beat Motherwell. Um, I think it's going to be really difficult. Um, they've got Graham Dorans. I think he's still there, yeah. despite interest yeah. elsewhere. He's obviously a big player for them. Mm-hmm. Kyle Hemmings, you know, has done well for them. I think. He has. He has. He's, not, he's not scoring goals at the rate that he was previously. Maybe he needs more. Many. He he's offering quite a lot in games when I've been watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it was Stuart and Hemmings and Rory Loy at the time yeah. when they were they were very uh, potent up front. Those three. Um, I, I don't know. I, 
I find it difficult to see past Motherwell because mm. they've just got this ethic about them, this yeah. work ethic. Stephen Robinson just won't accept anything mm. other than f- full pelt from mm. them. Uh, you know, they, they, there's a club that's reinvented so they effectively, have, yeah. brought on some really good players. And, and even when they, they lose a player, um, like um, Devante Cole has, has moved yeah. on, but, but yeah. they'll, they'll get somebody else from the lower leagues in England again. And, yeah. you know, I, I just, I just, you know, Campbell's great in midfield. Paul Worth has done really well for them. And Tumble coming back from injury as well is almost like a new signing for them. Who, sorry, David, David Tumble coming back. Yeah, no, I mean, he was sensational, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, so, so they've got that coming back. They, you know, they're, they're producing good players. They're using them in the first team. They're, the, the momentum continues. Uh, you know, they're going to take a bit of stopping for third place. I mean, yeah. Aberdeen, yeah. No, know, I agree. Shows, it shows maybe in what Aberdeen are doing in the transfer market yeah. at the moment no, I agree. that they're concerned about finishing third. So Motherwell uh, have, are having a fantastic season. They're, they're third and they may well stay there in the Premiership. And despite the fact that I've floated the possibility of, of, <laughs> of Dundee doing the Championship upset, yeah. I, I, I struggle in terms of pure quality on the day if Motherwell are anywhere near their best I think um, Dundee won Motherwell 2-1 Motherwell I I think this is an interesting game you've actually explained it so so well but I'm going to go for a replay and I'm going to go 1-1 so I just think as you you say I think think Dundee have got a little bit of an opportunity and as you you correctly said they really need to concentrate on the playoffs but at the same time they need momentum going into those playoffs so this is a bit of an opportunity for them to get some of that but no doubt, no doubt about it, it'll be an interesting game, but I'm just going to go for a draw here. I'm going to go 1-1. I so do... I'm just going to cross the road on Sunday. I'll be, yeah. I'm, I'm, that one's, that's live on the BBC yeah. Saturday night, yeah. and then we're across the road on the on the Sunday afternoon at Tannadice. And, you know, I, I think I think this one, I mean, I think Dundee United are in such good shape. Yeah. Is, this a yard, is this a yardstick? Is this a yardstick for them for next season? Because it looks like they have the league done and dusted, isn't it? 17 points think, clear. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's got something of the yardstick about it. But what what I think is crucial for them is that they've almost won the title already. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're all, they've almost got the championship already. Yeah. They must be, you know, they look a really confident team, a relaxed mm-hmm. team. And it's that relaxation that is probably a real problem for Hibs. The other big problem for Hibs is Lauren Shankland. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, he's just scoring goals. He just can't fun. stop scoring. Um, no. So I, mean, I think, you know, actually... You, you, you might almost go as far in this one to say that Hibs are the underdogs. They are. Because, you know, yes, yes, they've improved. They've got real. They've got quality about them. Jack Ross, you know, is a good manager. Um, but Robbie Nielsen is, is doing great things with United. Yeah. There's a real continuity and a solidity about them. And and that and the Shankland factor is massive. And he will love the prospect of scoring against the Premiership yeah, team. Yeah. He, he just wants to constantly be sort of putting his hand up and saying, I'm, I'm in the Championship now. I ain't going to be in the Championship for much longer. Exactly. I've been cut, cut by Scotland. You know, I started my days at Aberdeen and didn't didn't work out for me there. I've gone kind of around the houses a few times. Yeah. Here I am with Dundee United on the brink of promotion. And, and I think all these positives make me think that uh, Dundee United are, no, are going to beat Hibs by two goals to one. Yeah, I'm going for a Dundee United win as well. I just think they have so much momentum at the moment, and a big uh, blow for Hibs is having Stevie Malinek injured for quite a couple, for yeah. I think it's two months, and that's a yeah. big loss for me because I think he offers so much creativity in their midfield. I know Scott Allen's been playing quite well of late, but for me, there's just sometimes a little bit of a disjointedness about Hibs still at the moment. They're a lot yeah. better than they were under from under when Paul Heckenbaum was in charge, but I still think they're missing that X factor at times. But Dundee United, I think that's a big chance for them to just see where they are in terms of when if they, well, it looks like they're going to go up next season. Where are they going to situate? I think this is going to be a goal blitz game. I'm going 3-2 Dundee United. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I hope well, it is. So I'll be che- well, I'm tuning into it. it. So I hope it is. <laughs> I'm loving this. This is great. Can you can you do the promo for the BBC? <laughs> Are you asking me or offering me? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you'll be hearing from my agent shortly. <laughs> fantastic. Well, that's just about uh, it for the Scottish Cup uh, sort of preview right, preview for the weekend. Uh, I've just one last question to ask you, Rob, before we uh, wrap things up. I want to ask you your predictions between now and the end of the season. So what I usually do with my guests is I ask them to have their sort of slam dunk, which you think is absolutely definitely going to happen. Their sort so of, Dundee United. Which is Dundee United, so we will have that one. So you're 50-50 then. What do you see you think has got a chance oh. of happening? 
Well, I'll tell you what, there's, there's no doubt about my 50-50 either. That's Rangers and Celtic for yeah. the title yeah. because I think it's that close. Yeah. I think most people kind of thought right at the start of the season, yeah, this could go to the wire. And I think then there was a point where Celtic started just creeping mm-hmm. in front and then there was the prospect of going eight points clear at the end of the year and people thought, right, OK, this might just be another Celtic title. That result has changed everything and I think it's going to be nip and tuck. Yeah. Uh, between the pair of them it's going to be one of the great uh, title tussles between uh, Celtic and Rangers and I think that's a serious 50-50 as to who comes out on yeah. top Yeah. and my last one is your uh, your prediction you'd love to see happening but you don't really feel has got much chance my no hoper as I call it right Ross County in Europe <laughs> what are you laughing at well, I, I, well you've got to be ambitious but there's a lot of work to do 16 points behind Ottawa. <laughs> But, but in all seriousness, like though, so. that would be superb, though, wouldn't it? I yeah. mean, well, I mean, Cali have done it. Cali, so, Cali, this will go into Europe. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can't. Was it, was it Romania or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Like it was. It was. I mean, I think all the all the most Cali Thistle fans looking at a map trying to find the place, yeah, you know, yeah. where, where they were going. I mean, that that was, you know, I, I've used the word ridiculous a few times in this, and and there's a, that was another one. Yeah. Most Cali Thistle in Europe, you know, yeah. so just yeah. crazy. So no, nah, I don't I don't think it'll happen this season, but but I'd love it. I'd love it if it did. I mean, I would. I think I'd probably settle for survival for Ross County in their, in their first season absolutely, back. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but but you know maybe not far around the corner. Ross County in Europe, a town with a population of five thousand, with a team in Europe. I mean, that would be brilliant. That, that would be superb. And you know this, they're only four points off the top six, so no, mm-hmm. there's still a wee chance there for them. And under Stuart Kettlewell, or the Kettlewell and Ferguson partnership, they've been fantastic, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, some people wondered about the the double manager partnership thing, which Roy McGregor introduced. But they're, they're two guys that are steeped in the club. They're also different generations of, of the team. They both played a lot for Ross County, um, but they're really passionate about it. Yeah. Um, but they're kind of pragmatic as well in, in what they do. Uh, I think they've been great. Uh, and I would love to see them sort of survive for another season, and then Ross County could hopefully consolidate further. It's 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 been a, a just an amazing story that one. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a fantastic way to end uh, this week's podcast. This has been Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled by good crack. I hope this week's show is just what the doctor ordered. Rob, it's been a real pleasure to have you on, and a real privilege for me to host you. It's fantastic. No, great, great to be part of it, Grant. And uh, hopefully, you know, once you get down your list of contenders coming up, I'll be on again at some stage. Well, absolutely, you're more... to to you. it, was great, it was great to speak to you this time. Yeah, well, you're more than welcome to come back on. It uh, certainly was very enjoyable. Um, I hope you tune into further uh, podcasts in the future. But until then, it is goodbye for me for now.